Howdy. Hello. <laughs> you try so hard. You're like, <laughs> hello. <laughs> How are you? I'm really good. How are you? I'm good. Nice. We're in the middle of elections in Austin. Oh, wait. How long is your elections? I thought it was just a week. This is episode number 42. Yo, what up? This is your old friend, Alvin. Where is everybody? Who's missing? Get him. Come on, hurry. It is time to begin. This is only 17 minutes long. Now, all you got to do is lay back, kick off your shoes, and enjoy the next 17 minutes with my old friends, LaFool and A. Early voting is 13 days. Oh, God. So this Saturday will be the actual vote. The main thing on the ticket there's a proposition to try to reinstate a camping ban in Austin and basically it just targets the homeless. That happens in a city that I'm near to and there was a huge fight. There was a lot of underhanded, last minute throwing up of signs. It was a wreck. How do you do that during a pandemic where people are losing their homes, they have no place to go, perhaps they'd like to stay in or near where their community is or their family already is? And instead of coming up with better solutions and spending lots of money to print signs that say you can't loiter here or whatever the signs might say, invest in some tiny housing. Look and see how successful that has been in other cities around the United States as well as other cities around the world. Put some effort into that and dollars into that so that your population isn't struggling and therefore costing the rest of your population even more money because they're the ones who can't afford medical care and the public ends up paying for their medical care when they have to go to an emergency room, which is 10 or 20 times more expensive. A handful of people, Republicans particularly, got people angry. People do mean things when they're doing it from a place of anger. You have people who want to think of themselves as good people doing very mean things to a helpless population without even thinking of the long-term consequences of how they're harming them. Yep. Welcome to America. Pretty much sucks. Yeah, that's the way it is. So that's what's going on. Let's talk about America, shall we? You sent me a Joe Rogan clip, which I half watched. Would you like to introduce that and tell me why you sent it to me? Did you notice the studio? No. Okay, well, we're going to take a second to pause and have you look at the studio because that's the main reason why I sent it to you. Now, before, there was like a blinding glare, like you're looking inside of a grow room. But now when you look at it, it's very soft in the eyes. There's like that wooden look to it, kind of like some Texas-style, Austin-style art deco there in the inside of it. It's a better-looking studio. Definitely. Nice job there, Joe, Jamie. The studio looks a lot better. And it was a guy named Dave Smith. He has a podcast called Part of the Problem. He's a comedian who approaches his comedy from a libertarian point of view. So it's very interesting. Joe used to pride himself on being this progressive voice. And I think at one time, Joe was kind of progressive. But Joe has been slowly sliding off to the right, a little more right every day. 
I think I heard Joe say that he wanted this guy on the show, Dave Smith, because of his views on anti-vaxxer. And then I was watching some of Dave Smith's podcasts. They go after Fauzi. They go after CNN. Uh, they go after anybody who's part of the administration now that's like trying to get people to wear a mask or to get vaccinated. He comes on Joe's show. And the clip I sent you, though, really wasn't talking about the mask mandate stuff. It was talking about something else that I would like to kind of get into. They were talking about how the military industrial complex and CNN are kind of like in bed together. You know, they have this agenda. One hand washes the other. And he brings up some interesting points, something that I've talked about for a long time. It's very alarming. It has to do with regime change. There's a book by a guy named Samuel Huntington. It's called Clash of Civilizations. And in the book, Samuel makes his point that if you remove these leaders from power, you're going to create a power vacuum. And what can fill that power vacuum ends up being worse than what was there before. Right. And he kind of, you know, talks about the fact that Obama kind of made that realization. You know, he says, Obama said, my worst mistake was not having a day after plan for Libya. We pull Libya out there and what comes in something way worse. He didn't have a plan. He's not a stupid man. History has proven that you need a day after plan. It makes no sense to me why any administration wouldn't have an actual plan, except that maybe the plan was to have what happened happen. A much simpler explanation is he had a secretary of state who had no idea what she was doing other than to follow the guys of the military industrial complex who said, do this. And there was no plan. But the military industrial complex knows what happens when there is no plan. It seems to me that they're the ones who wanted there to be no plan. So it would be as much of a catastrophe as it was. According to Hillary Clinton, she planned on being out there within a week. Let's not talk about Hillary Clinton because she's just a figurehead. She isn't the person who made the decision. She's the voice that broadcast the decision. The thing is, if you look under the duties and responsibilities, it is the Secretary of State to have a day after plan for such an operation. It's exactly her responsibility. You can't just keep saying, oh, it's no one's fault. I didn't say it was no one's fault. I'm saying there's a bigger, darker thing that happens. Hillary Clinton was the figurehead to get done what a military cabal wanted to accomplish. That's all I'm saying. For the military cabal to exist, they need a person to pull the trigger. They need a lynch man. They need a trigger man. And that's who the trigger person was. For example, Robert Gates said, this is a very bad idea. Don't do this. We do not need to go in there. And they went behind his back and did it without his consent. Tell our audience who Robert Gates is and who he was at the time. Robert Gates was the Secretary of Defense leftover from the Bush administration. He came in after Rumsfeld because Rumsfeld did such a horrible job. And he came up with an exit strategy for Iraq, which Rumsfeld didn't have. And then he said also, I need to reduce the military budget. He went to all the generals in the Pentagon and says, I want this reduced by 9%. They came back and said, sir, reduce it by 15%. After he left, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and others encouraged Obama to reinstate the old budget. Dianne Feinstein was like, hey, this hurts my district. And she's just one who's a Democrat, but the Republicans are even worse about it. The Democrats had to side with the Republicans and say, we, we need this guy gone because he's taking funding away from Raytheon, from Lockheed Martin, from Boeing, all these companies that were in their areas, and they didn't want to lose that funding. And so they wanted to see Robert Gates gone. How did he end up getting gone? His tenure was finished when George Bush left. 
he was one of the very few who continued to the next administration. Right. But I'm asking you how he left the Obama administration. He eventually resigned. He would have gone on further, but literally they're stabbing him in the back every single turn. They're not listening to him. They're making war plans without him. He's the secretary of defense. He needs to be involved in all of these. And he wasn't for the Libya attack. So who was making the decisions? If it wasn't the secretary of defense, who was pushing these decisions to get Hillary Clinton to make? Hillary Clinton's team was pushing these decisions right to the president. Who was on her team? That's another whole 17-minute podcast, but there's a lot. There's full advisory teams that you have. All this goes to the president. There's a cabinet that meets and talks about it, and these meetings are happening without Robert Gates, according to his book, Duty. And so this is one of the, the reasons why he left. This caused a problem, and the problem was Libya. There was no exit strategy, and the result of that, there is a giant power vacuum that's caused. This is what leads to there being a problem with the Benghazi militia who ends up attacking the CIA and the embassy safe house. And this is what caused the life of Christopher Stevens, who was the U.S. ambassador. We have not lost U.S. ambassador to an armed conflict in who knows how long. You know what the punishment should be for that? Senator McCain was like, uh, well, first off, someone needs to be fired. And Obama didn't fire anybody. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton should have been fired for that. This is what they were talking about. There was no extra strategy. And so what did we do after that? We decided to go into Syria right behind that. It's a very good observation that these regime change wars, there could be this perceived cabal, but I don't like to put it on the perceived cabal. I like to name names. And we need to start pointing fingers and start pointing things out. Presidents need to be held accountable. Obama got away with a lot of silliness and a lot of wars. He's a president who promised, I'm going to end wars, and he just made them worse. And I don't want to just put it all on Obama. You got to put it on his cabinet. Like, let's name names. That's what I'm saying. Now, off the subject a little bit, one of the things that I wanted to tell you about, you should take a look at a guy named Tillerson. Tillerson was the Secretary of State under Trump. One of them. But the reason why he fired Tillerson is because Tillerson was told to go in there and start a war, support the UAE, and they're going to take out Qatar. We're going to do regime change in Qatar. Who told Tillerson this? Trump gave him that order. Who told Trump to do it? Again, these teams that come behind and says, we want this done for whatever reason. The Saudis really wanted this done. But here's the deal. You're saying name names, but you're not naming names. I am. The Saudis really wanted him out. And if you want to start at the top, I will start with Bonesaw the main prince of Saudi Arabia. He wanted them out. What's his name? Yeah, look him up. I just call him Bonesaw. He's the guy that killed the reporter with the Bonesaw. He's the one who actually ordered him killed. Trump agreed. And Trump said, okay, we want to shut down Qatar. That's what Tillerson went there to do, to take a look at it. And he got there. He's like, why? These people are actually good people. Why, why do we want to do this? And he wouldn't do it. Trump fired him because he didn't start a war which proves that one person can make a difference. As a matter of fact, a guy called Eric Prince was sent to the UAE to form a mercenary army to go in there and to take out the leadership of Qatar. And who is Eric Prince related to? Eric Prince is the cousin of Betsy DeVoe. DeVos, former secretary of education. Trump believes in all this family stuff and these cliques and this, these oligarchy relationships. Prince was his henchman. He gave him the power to go in there and start a war. I'd like to make some corrections. So Eric Prince is the younger brother, former United States Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos. 
And Robert Gates did not resign. He retired on July 1st, 2011. I thought his tenure actually ended the first time with the changing of the guard. He continued on through the second administration, so yeah, so he retired. Good, he didn't resign. And again, in my opinion, he was the best Secretary of Defense we've had in a long time. In one administration, the Secretary of Defense was overrun. And in Trump's administration, the Secretary of Defense managed to keep us out of a war, but ended up losing his job. Yeah, no one knew why. How do we know? All the breadcrumbs were there. He literally is the only one saying, we're not going to go to war. He's being told, we're going to go to war. Trump has Prince go over there and train 10,000 UAE guys. We're going to war. We're going to create regime change. He goes and visits Qatar, and he shakes their hand and says, we're not going to go to war with you guys. Your hypothesis is that we would go to war with Qatar because that's what the Saudis wanted, and that was the only reason. We have nothing to gain by starting a war with them. What has our relationship with Qatar been in the past, prior to the Trump administration? Al Jazeera's news was really on the United States during the Iraq war. They caught a a lot of bad reporting, and it caught a lot of bad actors. So we've had a very up-and-down relationship with Qatar. Okay. I've been to Qatar before, back in 2005 and six. It was one of those places that we used to fly through. I've always liked the people there. So you think that we wanted to have a regime change in Qatar because we didn't like the Arabic side of Al Jazeera? That's one of the many reasons. There's a lot of things. Basically, Qatar doesn't bow down to our whims, and they also don't give two craps about the Saudi royal family either. And the Saudi royal family just wants to maintain control in the region. Why is that part of our operating principle to overturn other countries' political systems? The military-industrial complex. That's not an answer. It is an answer because the military-industrial complex needs us to be in sustained wars. And that's the reason why. And then every state that they're in, there's employment. And then they give big chunks of thank you checks to those congressional representatives. doesn't matter if they are red or they are blue. They say thank you and they take that money and they turn a blind eye to the conflicts that are going on. This is the reason why we're pushing regime change. When was the first regime change war? Hitler instituted his own regime change within that country, and then we came in and regime changed them. It seems to me that at least modern warfare is all about toppling whatever thing you don't agree with. One of the things that they talked about in the Joe Rogan podcast, the episode with Dave Smith, was Wesley Clark, who came in and talked about going to war with seven countries in like five years. This is also about regime change. So he's talked about it several times, but they only talk about the ones that went viral. I think NPR was interviewing him. When he talked about it, he was like, I don't I don't know. I don't know why we're doing this. Who, Wesley Clark? Wesley Clark used to be the Supreme Allied Commander in Kosovo, Operation Noble Anvil. Four-star general. That was one of his last jobs, and he had access to the Pentagon. Wesley Clark went to Virginia before 9-11. And he was shown this same plan, the Seven Nations five-year plan. After 9-11, he went back there and it was, you know, we're going to war in Iraq. Why Iraq? And they said, because we have to get rid of all of these post-colonial dictators. And everyone we got rid of left a giant power vacuum, which left something way worse behind. Whether it was ISIS, whether it was Al-Qaeda, whether it's an open slavery in the marketplace in Libya. That's the problem with the military-industrial complex, and that's the problem with regime change. 
So what's the solution? U.S. people have to start telling their congressional representative, if I find that you've taken another dime from the military industrial complex, we're going to replace you. And there's a guy named Shahid Buttar. He's going to try again to replace Nancy Pelosi because we're not going to get anywhere as long as we keep putting the same old Republicans and Democrats in office who take money from the military industrial complex and keep us in these forever wars. And that's a wrap. Please like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 17 minutes podcast. If you're enjoying this show, please share it with your friends and family. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the support of our sponsors. They're listed on our website and social media. Check them out. Have a blessed Sabbath. Shabbat Shalom.